Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Sadly, this is what home sounds like for many of America's heroes. During this crisis, many veterans are living on the street, sleeping on nothing more than cardboard. You can help. Donate at cardboardtoheadboard.org. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined by CEO of the Draft Network, Paige Demakos. Paige shares invaluable insight into navigating the world of sports, including betting on yourself, the importance of good relationships and how they lead to success, and the importance of authenticity in branding. She also gives excellent advice on using social media and remembering that not everything needs to be shared with the world as well as finding something to be grateful for every day. This episode is amazing, and you guys are going to love it. So without further ado, let's get to it. Paige, thank you so much for joining me today. I've been so excited to have you on. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation and, and uh, hopefully have somebody be inspired. That's always always the goal of the objective when doing stuff like this. So I'm, I'm hopeful that we can ex- inspire some people today. And that is the goal of the podcast, to inspire young women working in sports, young women who want to work in sports, and to also highlight how many different positions there are in the world of sports. So that's something that we really focus on too. And so to that end, I am even doubly excited to have you on. And I'd love to just jump on in and have you talk to us a little bit about your professional journey and also talk about, you know, in college, obviously, you know this, but if our listeners don't, (laughs) um, you started Corn Fed Sports at Nebraska and I would love to know how that kind of helped the shape shape the way you look at content then and then shape the way you're looking at it now. Yeah, I think it's I've I've said this a couple of times and the more I think about it and reflect, I, I think it's even more so the truth that there is no chance that I would be where I am now had I not had the experience I had in college. And I know you know, I'm not trying to be overly dramatic. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm living this CEO role every day. And there are challenges that come with it now in 2021 that I was not even aware of, i.e. something like dealing with COVID, right? Mm-hmm, Wouldn't mm-hmm. have even put that on the map back in, you know, 2010 when I was doing this with Corn Fed. But the, the principles of starting something are the same. Um, the, the hustle that existed in 2010 is the exact same hustle that exists now in 2021. Uh, and and some of the things that I had to, I would say roadblocks along the way were some of the main things that helped me prepare for what I've been doing with the draft network in, in my current and my past role. And, and so, you know, starting corn fed sports at the time from a content perspective was largely, my frustration with the system um, Mm -hmm. because I was in school and social media was just blowing up, right? I graduated high school in 2008. If you think about that timeframe, that is pre-Instagram, the beginning of Twitter, really, um, you know, Facebook 
when I was a senior in high school, it used to be this thing you thought of as like only people in college had it, right? Mm-hmm. And then you got a college email and you were all excited because you could have a fit, you know, there's it's all these little things and intricate details. And so for me, it was such a an opportunity would be the right word, right? And if you start a business, you should always be thinking about what is your business doing? Like, what is the opportunity? And the opportunity for me back then was to cover sports using social media, which was considered to be non-traditional, which is funny to think about that now. Um, But there was just a lot of what I would say old school thinking. Um, And I love my school and I'm super proud to be an alumni, but that was pretty common. It's still common all over the place. Um, in all, tons of journalism colleges all over the United States, and I'm sure, quite frankly, all over the world. And so for me, it was a frustration with what I was being boxed into as far as opportunities. And I just, I didn't like, and I never have, and I don't like still being told no, um, being told that I can't do something that has always motivated me. And, and so that was, you know, a large reason why I started Corn Fed Sports to cover sports to cover all sports, to cover women's sports, to cover bowling and volleyball and women's gymnastics and football and basketball and everything and give coverage and, and stories and opportunities across the board. And, and that has always been a philosophy I've been comfortable with. And it's it's definitely helped me propel into my career now um, and where I am with the Draft Network. And I want to talk more about the Draft Network and your previous position, your current position. But first, want to kind of look a little before that. You've done a variety of things in the world of sports, uh, which I think is fantastic because we talk a lot about on this podcast how you know each of those opportunities make your next opportunity even better and make you even more prepared for that. How has each experience prepared you for the next? And what is maybe... uh, the number one thing you've learned from each, but if you have more than one thing you want to share, please feel free. Yeah, I'd say, you know, each experience has been crucial to where I am in, in the mistakes I've made, right. The risks Mm -hmm. I've taken, the different roles that I've had. I think journalism has morphed into this sports media has morphed into this place now where you really it's not even uh, you, you know, you kind of want to be able to do multiple things. No, you have to be able to do multiple things. Like that's, that's a requirement. Um, if you don't know how to brand yourself, you will not survive, period. And that is, that is you have to be able to, if you're not going to do it for yourself, you're going to be asked to do it for a brand. You're going to be asked to do it for a company, for a team, for an individual, for an athlete, for whatever, right? And, and so that is something that I've learned along the way, whether it was a job where I was writing a lot, right? Being a good writer, being a strong writer, always going to help you. Whether it's writing an email, whether it's writing a pitch, whether it's writing an article, that's a strong piece to, to bring into it. Um, being able to speak very well, whether that's on a podcast or on a video um, and deliver that type of content, that's all the only way to do that is by doing it, right? And so I, mm-hmm. I'd always tell people, you know, everything that I did, everything that I'm asking my team to do, I've done before. And I think that puts me in a unique position because I, I, I routinely would have bosses that were telling me, well, you need to go do this, right? Or you need to go do that. And they were not speaking from experience. They were not speaking from they had started a podcast or they had done a video series or they had done, I have, I have done all these roles, 
all the roles that I'm asking my team to facilitate, I- I've done. And, and I think that puts me in a unique position to be able to not only help and mentor, but also be understanding to the grind that exists in sports. And I think that is something that people forget and, and become not as they, they become apathetic to it instead of being sympathetic to it. Right. Because people mm-hmm. think, Oh, you work in sports is it's glamorous life. No, you work in sports. So you're, you out hustled all the other people that want to work here and everybody knows that. And so there's this like mentality that exists that it's like, well, you should just be thankful to be here and work really hard and not be rewarded for it. And I've, I've never liked that. Um, I continue to not like that and fight against that. Um, but it's it's kind of driven me all the different roles that I've had. They've all taught me different skill sets. And I think that's super important, right? Whether it's stops on a Big Ten Network while I was in, while I was in college, um, you know, working for CBS, working for ESPN, our school, you know, every step of the way that I've had, I've learned something from. But I'd say if there was one theme, right, that you're looking for to take away from everything. I think the theme is to bet on yourself. Um, mm-hmm. That's my theme. It's it's if I had a personal mantra, it would be betting on myself because I've taken risks. I've left more established companies to take startup roles, to take bigger corporation. I, I've I've done and and listen, not every move has been the right move. Um, but I, I shouldn't say the right move. They were all the right move because they led me to where I am now. Mm-hmm. It, it, they were definitely a risk and I had failures, right? But the, the, the failures are as important, if not more important than the successes, because you learn way more uh, from the failures. And if I, if I was going to take one thing away from every job or every internship or every single thing or touch point I've ever had in sports, it's definitely, if you really want this, if you're really passionate about this, then it should be easy for you to bet on yourself because you should have that passion and it should drive you. Um, and that's kind of the, the commonality between every stop I've ever had. I think that's, that's what I would take away. So a couple things I want to unpack, um, from, from what you just said, um, you said earlier, each experience was crucial in terms of the mistakes that you made. And of course, learning more from failures. And it's something that we talk a lot about on this podcast and not being afraid of making a mistake and not being afraid of failure, failure because that is in fact where you learn the most. Yeah, it's um, it it's it's important to understand that if you talk to or read or have a conversation or see a LinkedIn post or see a social media post, you're you're gonna find there's a common theme between every successful what I would say, business woman or man, um, you know, startup, the, all these people, they're, they're, they're all going to tell you at some point in their life, they had to face adversity. And when they faced adversity, they learned how to deal with that. And, and they had to push past it. And if you've never been challenged, if you've never had to face adversity, it's going to be really hard for you to have success in anything. I, I believe that. Um, it's, it's one of the things that I think when you're a kid, you know, you're, you're like, oh, your parents think my parents made certain things hard on me, really hard on me. And at the time you're going, God, you know, you know, you know, you're mad, you hate your parents, you're pissed off, you're this, that, and the other thing. 
But now I'm that person, like it didn't take me very long being in college where I was out with a bunch of other kids and I'm learning and I'm going, man, your life has been so easy. You don't know how to handle this, right? Like you don't know how to deal with this situation because your parents made your life easy. And it's, and it's like, that's not, I understand obviously as a parent, you want to take care of your kids, but also you just want, you want to prepare them for life and life has obstacles and adversities and challenges and you learn significantly more from those things than you do by walking outside and going yeah today's a great day and everything's great and my I have the perfect job and I have the, you know like that's mm-hmm. not realistic so like you have to understand it's not a cliche to say you learn more in failures you definitely learn more in failures because the success the only reason you got there is because there's probably three to five failures that happened before the one success. And each step you were like, yeah, I don't want to do that again. Or I don't like this feeling. It's like getting cut to bring it to sports, like getting cut from a team, right? Mm -hmm. You learn if you take that energy and you focus it into, man, I really don't like feeling this way. If you take that and focus it, you can turn that into, wow, look at the success I'm having now. But that internalized it happens and it forces you to, to, you know, to, to push through. And I think that's such a big aspect of having success, whether it's in sports, whether it's in, in sports business, sports media, quite frankly, any business, I I think you have to be able to handle adversity because otherwise you're just going to, it's, it's going to eat you alive, quite frankly, quite frankly. And I think it's important to, to know that even in life, just Mm -hmm. in terms of any type of, relationship you have in your life with friends, with family, romantic, just interacting with people, you you learn from things that didn't work out. You learn from things that were hard. And it, I like what you said, that feeling of, I don't want to feel like this again. And so what can I learn from this and how can I grow? And so I think that's really, really important advice, really all the way around. Um, the other thing that you said in your earlier answer that I want to talk about a little bit is branding. You know, if you don't know how to brand yourself, you won't survive. And you're totally right because whether you're branding yourself or at a company, et cetera, that's just so much a part of what we do now. How did you find your brand and your voice and kind of what tips would you have for someone who's who's looking to find that for themselves? Yeah, I think the 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 easiest way to cut to the chase on the on the branding conversation is to be authentic to yourself. I I don't want to sound cliche, but it's very few people are genuine. It's just how it is. Very few people are genuine and authentic. And that is because it takes courage to be yourself. It takes courage to put yourself out there. Uh, and I'm not going to paint some rosy picture here, especially for young women. Uh, you're going to get negative feedback period. Mm-hmm. You have to know that. I am not going to tell you otherwise, but it is better now today than it was a year ago. It was significantly better than it was when I was first <laughs> hanging out on Twitter. And there was a lot more people that were vocal uh, and, and really negative towards women in the, in, in sports specifically. But man, you're, that's, that's such a crucial part. Branding yourself is such a crucial part of having success in this industry and, and what I have done that I, that's worked for me. And I'm sure every person that you talk to would tell you something, but I think they would all agree with me that 
if you are genuine and you are authentic and you are yourself, you will be unique because nobody is going to be you. And and trying to be Stephen A. Smith or replicate Mina Kimes or try to be somebody else, like they're already that person. You know, mm-hmm. like you don't you if you're gonna try and and duplicate that, and there's a lot of that. And I've seen a lot of people come in and out very quickly because they're trying to be the next this person instead of just being who they are. And and I think that's the the easiest way to get yourself out there and brand yourself is to be authentic to who you are and figure out what your voice is going to be in the sports world. And don't let anybody else dictate that. There's going to be a lot of people, professors, friends, you know, job, whatever, that are all going to tell you how you're supposed to do it. And, and there's no secret sauce. It's, it's just mm-hmm. working and, and being yourself. That's really what it comes down to. And if you do those things and you do them consistently and you don't get bogged down by the BS on social media, you're probably going to have success. But the, the key there is not get bogged down because there's a lot of BS and you just gotta, you just gotta let it go off your back and not fight everybody. Cause not every battle is worth fighting. And there's quite a few battles that I just, I look at and I go, Mm-mm, not today, not, not this one. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. And, and I find at least for myself that I sometimes know that in my gut, you know, if I start to make, to respond to something, there's a feeling I get that says, just put your phone down. <laughs> you don't need to just, just put your phone down. Even it, even when it comes to posting something, you know, there is a fine line between being funny and being mean. And I would always err on the caution of not being mean always. And I think, you know, when you're about to post something, if you start to feel the least bit uncomfortable, don't post it. And it's not who you are. And that's why you feel uncomfortable because you're not being authentic to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. Totally agree with that. And I think the not being authentic to yourself, but also just like sometimes, and I posted this on social media yesterday, I'm a big gratitude person. So I have a gratitude box and I write something I'm grateful for every day. And I, I challenge everybody, everybody, my staff, anybody, my family, everybody to always focus more on what they're grateful for. And it, it will have such a significant impact for them because it's so easy to be part of this echo chamber of constant complaining. And I just, it feels like you got to zig when everybody else Mm -hmm. is zagging. Right. And I understand, I understand that that's, you know, out saying it out loud. I know people are, there's going to be some people listen to this and just go, ah, you know, it's too hard or I don't, well, then it's not for you. Like if, if you can't sit down and spend 15 seconds being thankful for something, then like you're lying to yourself that you don't have the time to do that. Everybody's got that time. And it, I'm telling you, it will, it will have a, a significant difference and it will change your outlook on social and you won't be as, as enticed or bogged down by, you know, anything that's coming your way because you're just going to go, eh, it's just not mm-hmm. worth it. Right. Or you won't, you'll, you'll type something out and you'll just leave mm-hmm. it in drafts. Right. You just go, eh, eh, it's not worth it. Right. It's just, get it out, get a journal, write something down. Not everything you think has to go on Twitter. I know that everybody thinks they do. Not everything you have to, not, not everything you think in your head needs to end up on social media. It is not, that is not what it is for. I know that culturally that is kind of where we are. Uh, They're wrong. We don't all need to hear it. And nobody needs to see every picture you've ever sent under the sun. Nobody needs to see every food item you've ever, like, just like use it for like for people that want to work in this industry, it should be considered professional. 
Like consider it something for your job. And the second you start viewing it that way, you're going to start having a completely different lens. And I would say consumption of how you deal with the platform. And, and it's really blended. But I, I try and get people to understand, like, use this, use social, use Twitter, use it for work, for business. And it's going to change how you how you use it. And, and it's it's been successful, definitely for me. Not everything you think needs to go on Twitter should be the tagline for Twitter. That actually should be, that should be the tagline. Yep. And I think you're right. Generally with social media, generally, that is also very, very, very true. But that really, that should be the tagline for Twitter. And then beyond that, not everything you think needs to go on social media should also be the tagline for social media. I mean, think, and I think if no one takes anything else away from this podcast, I hope that we take away that. Because sometimes I do look at Twitter and I'm like, why? On earth did that person feel that need, need to send that? Nobody needs to know that. I know. Nobody. Nope. 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 Nobody nope. Does. It's just, you know, journals are great. Yes. Uh, I'm just telling you, the diaries are great. Like have like have talk to your group chat, like your friends, like your not that not everything needs to go on Twitter, man. Like I see stuff sometimes and I'm like, God, why? Just no, no, just don't quit, don't press send. That should just, that's the secondary part of this podcast. Don't press send. Don't that's press send. That's a message for everybody. And I Don't really believe send. you know, you know when you shouldn't. If you have that little feeling in your stomach or that little question mark that says, ah, should I really send this? You should not. Don't press send. <laughs> that is like, those are just things such, and I think really important because, you know, when you are looking for jobs, like now, you know, everybody's looking at your social media and was it really worth it? To press send on something you didn't need to, to not get an opportunity. You know, think of it that way too. Like, so I agree. Those are, I agree. Like, those are very, very important pieces of advice. But I want to go back to your gratitude box because I think that's fantastic. When did you start that? So I, um, when I first moved out to Arizona, which is where I live now, and I was covering the Arizona Cardinals in 2013, 2014, uh, I became very close with um, and I'm still very close to Tyron Matthew mm-hmm. and, and Tyron would call himself, I think a spiritual gangster. Okay. Um, I, I love that about him. Um, our friend Scott Savage, who's a, a pastor up in North in Prescott, Arizona out here. Um, they're very good at challenging each other to be mentally strong mm-hmm. and to be mentally, mentally get better. And I, I've long asked for, Hey, what's one thing, right? Like, I don't want to, don't give me 10 books. Don't get me two hour long Ted talks. Mm -hmm. Give me one thing, right? Give me one little change that you've seen that can help. And, and consistently between those two, uh, who I value their opinion a lot. And then a couple of other people all gave me that same answer and said, Hey man, I just, just get a little gratitude box. And so it's literally note cards, right? Like I have it. It says my gratitude box and it's just a bunch of note cards. And it says what I'm thankful for today, what I'm grateful for today. And then I just write one thing. And then the nice thing is I keep it in the box. And then when I run out of cards, like I I see I'm getting down to the end and I order more cards and then I take the cards out and I put the new cards in and then I go back and it has a date, right? I write the date Mm -hmm. and then what I was thankful for. And then it's like this nostalgic, like, brings you right into like oh my god remember that it's like little stuff right like it's not I'm not telling you you have to have these big gargantuan things that you're thankful for like it will be like 
I was laying in bed and my boyfriend brought me coffee this morning and it just put me in such a good state of mind. And it's just like, I'm really grateful for that moment today. And then I think back to that and I'm like, oh, that was so sweet, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I love that, you know, and it puts you in this nice mood or, you know, just something very simple. Like uh, today, yesterday I, I wrote that I was really thankful for one of the members of my team at Draft Network because he just, gosh, he's just been kicking ass. And I just was like, man, I just, and I just put his name down, right? That's all I did. And I put it away. So it's, it's just this wonderful thing that has kind of grown over the the last few years for me that really I attribute to to Tyron and and Scott and and a few others that kind of pushed me into this, hey, if you're going to do one thing to make yourself like a little bit better, I'm always looking for the 1%, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's one thing that you can do. That's going to, it's going to take 1%, but it potentially could end up giving a 10, 15, 20% of the return. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's not very common. You can't usually give 1% and get a lot more out of it. This is one of those things that it's not very hard to do, but it it, it gives a lot, which, which I love. That's fantastic. I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to, I'm going to start doing it today. So I love it. Thank you for that. I I really like that. Um, All right. So let's talk about starting at the Draft Network, uh, how that all came about, what the experience was like, and then transitioning from COO to CEO. Yeah. um, So the, how it came about is I was working on a startup with Juju Smith-Schuster and was consulting for a couple of other companies when Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino who work at the Draft Network right now, they approached me. Um, they had started the company in August of 2018 with JC Cornell um, and a couple of other gentlemen and were looking for somebody to come in and, and work with them. And uh, I had worked with those guys back in at, at FanRag Sports a couple of years prior. And so they put my name in the ring and I interviewed with JC and, and he hired me and brought me on. And fast forward kind of along to, to where we are now, I, I think the, the process of getting from, you know, COO to CEO was, man, COO is such a, like, feels like a title where nobody gets the respect of the CEO title, mm-hmm. but they do all the work, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like one of those things, like, I, I was in this position where I was just, it, it is such a operations just means everything. Mm -hmm. It's another word for everything. (laughs) And you get to, you get to be, you know, super in charge of, of all aspects of the business and you get to dive your hands into, you know, all things. And it's not, it's not specialized in that you're a CMO. So you're looking over marketing or a C, you know, or or a CRO and you're looking at revenue, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's truly everything. Uh, so it really set me up very well to the position that I'm in now. And CEO is, is very similar, right? I think somebody joked the other day with me. I can't remember who it was. Otherwise I would attribute it to them to (laughs) chief everything officer, Uh right? It's a little, you just kind of got to be able to do a little bit of everything, but that goes back to conversation we were having earlier on this podcast where you're, you were asking me about, you know, what did I learn from each role and, and how did it help me to where I am now? Like, that's such a big part of the success here is is being able to to be a part of everything, but also understand you have to delegate certain things um, and you have to you have to hire people that you trust. You have to bring people on that you can, you know, facilitate that that you trust to facilitate your vision 
And then I think as a, as a good leader in, in any aspect, you need to listen a lot. You need to hear what the people that work at the company have to say. And that goes for some of my favorite conversations I have with our from interns. I love talking to some of the interns we have on our staff and they come up with some of the best ideas. And I've been, we've been really fortunate to have some amazing interns that we've hired and some that we've put out into the workforce and, and they've taken full-time jobs and some of that. So I think, you know, everything that I learned along the way set me up for the role that I'm in, but the, the way that I got here is relationships. And if there's anything else, minus the Twitter thing right. that you take away from this <laughs> podcast, okay, if there's anything else you take away, everything in life, and I'm not being overdramatic again, everything in life is about relationships, period. End of story. If you have good relationships, you will have success. Because at the end of the day, people will put on for people they trust and have a relationship with. And that means all the partnerships I've signed, I have personal relationships with those people. I call them, we talk, we walk through things. We have, it is easier to be able to have success when you have networked yourself and people know who you are and they trust who you are and you have a set relationship. And if you don't have that, going to be really hard to have success in any industry. And I know the follow-up question or what people are going to say is, well, well, how do you do that? Well, guess what? If you're in college, you have a really good opportunity to do that. If you're not in college and you're in high school, you have an even better opportunity. Start doing it in high school, start building it up when you get to college and take that and think about your network and what that could look like by the time you get to page at 30, right? Mm -hmm. Like think about what that process looks like and how many people you can lean on. But man, I, I, I have friends that I've known for, you know, forever. Blake Lawrence is a really good example. Somebody I went to college with Blake and I sat at the mill in Lincoln, Nebraska and talked about where we would be today. And man, he has open doors and I have draft network. And that is freaking cool because I remember being 19 and he's 21 and he's talking about what he wants to do and what I want to do. And it mirrors nearly where we are now, but we have helped each other so much along the way because we had that set relationship that dates back to, to college. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so he trusts me, I trust him. We've helped each other out immensely and, and those relationships are invaluable. So if you take anything else away from the podcast, other than uh, the Twitter <laughs> thing, which is very important, you should take away that, that you should build foster relationships so that way you can continue to have success in in what I believe to be truly any industry but specifically I know people listening to this are probably more interested in, in media and sports media of which I think it's the most important most crucial I agree 100% and you can hear my dogs in the background they clearly also <laughs> agree, agree too. 100% yeah. but it, it's so true and I had interned at Fox Sports right out of college actually during college and then right out of college, and I was away from sports for a little while. I ran a different company. I worked in politics. But when I came back to sports, those relationships that I made, you know, during that time, those people were happy to help, excited to help, have been unbelievably supportive of me and what I'm doing. And it is all about building relationships. And those are relationships I built, like you said, when I was 19, 20, 21, um, even when I worked in politics, I worked for the um, former mayor of DC. People in that regard, it's not even about sports, but there are relationships I built then that have been invaluable to me just in terms of mm -hmm. support and help. And it's such important 
and good advice because your your relationships really in a lot of ways are your, um, for lack of a better term, your calling card in a way. Like mm-hmm. your relationships are who you are. And if people know that they can trust you and know you're a good person and know you're a good worker, that is going to go a very long way because you, you would much rather work with someone that you already know and trust. Of course. Of course, that's that's always going to be the case. So that's why I said is obviously very specific to this industry, but I think honestly can be taken for any industry that exists, especially in a year where people have had to do a lot of interviews virtually. And I think it's harder to get a job now than it's been in a long time. Mm-hmm. Man, those relationships are crucial. So so work on them, foster them, use social media, um, ask people for coffee virtually have done that over the last uh what's now a year mm-hmm. i can't believe almost um but yeah i mean you just got to continue the handwritten cards they never go out of style man so just just a, another little tidbit like you you want to impress somebody you want to start start trying to to build up that relationship i have yet i have yet to have that not I, i'm batting a thousand on that so just let me let's another piece of advice use handwritten notes they will always work out for you yes they will and People don't do that enough, and so you will stand out, but also do it just because it's, it just means a little something extra. You take mm-hmm. a little time to write a note. It really it, – it means a lot. So that is another good tidbit of advice. Paige, you're just yeah. dropping knowledge, and I'm <laughs> loving it, every bit of it. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, so since we're, since we're on a podcast right now and you host a podcast, I would love to talk a little <laughs> bit about – you know, what do you enjoy most about that? What were some surprises when you started? Because I think a lot of people, you know, one of the great things about podcasts is you can decide one day I'm going to start a podcast, but love to know any tidbits you learned along the way that might be helpful. Yeah, I'd say um, big thing for everybody doing a podcast, invest in a quality microphone. It's not that expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, You can get a Yeti uh yeti blue mic on amazon i think for 79.99 uh i don't have an affiliation to yeti or amazon so i'm not trying to push a product okay so i'm like (laughs) i was gonna say i and then you can get to the point where you're me and you upgrade and you get a sure mic you get the joe rogan mic like you 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 take yourself up but like at a bare minimum start off with a really good microphone uh having good audio quality will will separate you significantly uh, in, in the audio space, mm-hmm. you know, again, to, to, to being authentic. I think if you're doing something in sports, you, you gotta have, you can't just go in with, I'm going to talk about football, mm-hmm. right? That's not going to work. You gotta have, I'm big with one of the things that I've been doing and pressing upon our, our, our staff and, and working with specifically the draft dudes, um, which is Joe and Kyle that, that work over at the draft network is content planning and mapping and being able to look and build out. And obviously in sports, you have the ability to adjust as uh, potentially a Deshaun Watson trade comes down, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously it takes precedence, but having a plan is, is crucial for execution and that is no different in the podcast space. And I think it's one of the things that a lot of people don't do right at the beginning is they try to, you know, just go in and go, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to talk. I'm just going to have a conversation. Well, let me tell you, if you've never done it before, you're going to turn on the mic and it's not just going to be like having a conversation. Yeah. It's going to be much different. And, and I think that's, that's the hard part for most people is they think, especially even if you're comfortable as the host, 
you may have a friend that you think is going to be a great subject, but the second that mic turns on, it changes the frame of mind for most people. And it becomes less conversational and more uptight, a little tense. And it's, and you can get around that by being really, being really comfortable in what you're doing. So if you're hosting a podcast, you're starting a podcast, one, invest in a good microphone for yourself to plan things out, content maps. So that way you have the ability to kind of prepare accordingly. And then you need reps, period. They don't need to see the light of day. Okay. You should practice all the time. I practiced when I was in college, I sat in the booth and I practiced all the time. I would love to pull some of those tapes because I am quite sure they are horrendous. (laughs) I am quite sure it is terrible. Um, I hosted an overnight radio show that I think five people, you know, my mom, dad, brother, and two friends listened to in college. Um, but guess what? Speaking for three hours on a, on a show by yourself, eventually you do the math and you're like, uh, that racks up to 10,000 hours really quickly. And now I'm an expert. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the kind of the threshold. Uh, if you've read that book where it talks about getting to 10,000 hours and being expert status. So the last part and most important part is there's no quick way around repetition and practice. And the only way you're going to do that is by doing it. But you don't have to do it and put it out. You can do it and keep it for yourself. Go back and listen to it. Yes, your voice is going to sound terrible. None of us like our own voices. Get over it. Okay, that's going to be, you're going to go in, you're going to listen to your voice, you're going to go, oh my God, that's what my voice sounds like. This is everybody's experience. You are not different. Do not feel bad. Just understand that it's going to be painful and you got to go back and listen so you can understand and start to start to hear the cadence of your voice and, and words that you might use a little bit too much and, and get better at that. And I know it's going to be hard. Like I said, nobody likes to listen to their own voice. But you should do that so that you can get better and start to hear those things and note those things and get better over time. And I'm really glad that you brought up being prepared and having a plan because I think that does happen a lot with podcasts or a YouTube channel or even in an Instagram live, to be honest with you, or a Facebook live. Having some sort of content plan will make everything you do that much better and it will just prepare you. And I mean, even with this podcast, as as you obviously know, I send a pre-interview questionnaire just so I know what I want to talk about. You know what I want to talk about. And it really helps. I think it helps a better conversation. And guests say to me a lot, oh my gosh, this was so helpful. People don't do this, which is shocking to me because otherwise you are kind of just winging it. And if we had just started on this, I was like, well, Paige, let's talk (laughs) the draft network and think I'll be turning off my mic now. Thanks a lot. You know, it's not... You can deviate. Obviously, we've gone off on on other subjects and we've talked about other things, but it's so important. And I think content, having a content plan is really important for everything you do in this business. Absolutely. It's it's so crucial. Um, As I've said, it's it's not, I'm not overstating it. I'm not like, these are like simple, like they're not things that you can just overlook. And I think that aspect of it is you have to plan. And it's, there's tons of cliches about planning and execution, but they're all correct. All of them, whatever, in, in anything that you're doing, you should have a plan and it's much easier to execute. Can't execute on something you don't know. Ask any, ask any football coach. They'll give you plenty of jargon about executing in a plan. 
That is 100% true. And then I also like what you said earlier that you have your plan. Sometimes, sometimes things change. Sometimes Deshaun Watson gets traded and now <laughs> you do have to change it. But if you have your general plan, you're prepared for that too, because you've, you've been prepped, but you can be flexible and you're just going to do a better job really in everything you do. By the way, guys, Deshaun Watson at the time that we're recording this has not been traded. So I don't want anybody to be like, what? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. He has not been traded as of right now. As of but right I, this second. He has as of been. right now, as of this recording, he has not been traded, but that could very well change, you know, because the rule in life will be we'll finish this recording and then five minutes later he will be traded because yes. that's how life works. 100%. So at this moment, he may or may not have been traded when you're listening to this. <laughs> That's the takeaway <laughs> on, on this one. Uh, that's good. Um, so I have a question that I ask all of our guests, and we get we get really great answers. So I, I'm very curious to hear yours on that. And that is a criticism you received earlier in your career that was very difficult to take, but really made you better at your job today. Ooh, that's that's such a good one. And I I saw that in the as as you were talking about the pre questionnaire, and I was sitting there going. Man, I got a lot of criticism. Share as many as you want. <laughs> you know, like I was like, I was like, what was what was the the criticism that that helped the most? And I think it's I have I love this professor. Her name's Trina Creighton, and I hope I will send this to her because I hope she and I hope she listens to it. She's a a broadcasting professor at the University of Nebraska. And there's Blunt and then there's Trina. Okay. <laughs> and and a lot of people couldn't handle it, right? They just mm -hmm. couldn't handle it. They couldn't couldn't handle her right to the truth, kind of I'm gonna, I'm gonna just gonna go right for it uh, mentality and attitude. But she came from the news business and she was so successful as a black woman early. I mean, she just she was the true definition of a pioneer. So I respected the hell out of anything she had to say. And I can remember we were getting ready for 2012 election coverage and we had some competitions to see who would be able to do certain roles. And I was anchoring our coverage and I was really excited about it, but I hated talking about politics, right? I was like, yeah. I don't want to do this. I want to do sports. And they were like, we don't care. This is a prerequisite for graduating and you have to participate. I was like, all right, whatever. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it well. And and I got, was number one experience I had in college, like by far and away. It was amazing. And, and I learned so much from it. And that tells you everything you need to know is that I had a crappy attitude and then <laughs> look at how it turned out. Uh, but Trina, I can remember her. We're sitting in in the journalism room on the second floor of Anderson, and and she comes over to me, and I'm feeling sorry for myself about God only knows what, right? Mm -hmm. Like whatever. I was feeling sorry for myself about that day, and she comes over, and she's like, "Are you ready to rock?" And I was like, "Trina, you know, I need this." Time. And she goes, "You know, let me tell you something. Just get over yourself." And I was like. <laughs> I was so like oh my god what do you mean like she just looked at me and she's like just get over yourself like you're gonna do a great job you're gonna over you're just gonna sit here and you're gonna overthink it a thousand times you've done the work you've done the prep get over yourself now let's go and it was just like especially women mm -hmm. right this is such a oh man we do this so much right we get in our own heads we get in our own way we 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 talk ourselves out of something before we've even gotten, you know, stepped up to the plate, right? And, and I think that it was such an important piece for me to learn that like, I'm sitting over here, 
And then my male colleague was sitting, you know, and he's not thinking about any of this stuff. And I'm thinking about a hundred reasons why it's going to go wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. And she just looks at me and she's like, get over yourself. And it was such a reminder of just like some of the gender dynamics that exist for us where you're thinking about all these things. And it's just like, man, we just, we got to stop overthinking stuff. You just got to go for it. You've done the work, trust yourself, trust your gut, go for it. And, And that was God, it was just such a, like, she cut right to the chase, right? Like that criticism of like, she could just see me sitting there spinning in my head, in my own head, right? I was Mm -hmm. just sitting there talking myself out of whatever I was talking myself out of. And she just came and just so bluntly in front of like probably 15 other people, just get over yourself. And I was like, oh, okay. okay." (laughs) It was just such a, such a man cut right to the chase right to the heart but uh she was right and you know get over yourself it 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 definitely it was like a light switch right like it just like boom she did it I looked around and I was like all right okay you're right and and it's it's definitely something when I'm having a moment when I'm throwing myself what I would say when I'm throwing myself a pity party as my mom would say Mm -hmm. right I'm just like kind of rocking around kicking and I'm like I sit down and I'm like just get over it just get over yourself it just helps. It just helps me, right? Like just stop listening to the self-talk and the BS and all the stuff that you're doing in your own head. Quiet that down, train yourself, train your brain to focus in on, I I am here. I deserve to be here. I I deserve to have a voice. I've done the work and and walk in and see how that changes kind of your frame of mind. But that, that definitely all came from Trina. So that criticism has helped me out tremendously. And it's, it would be a good thing we can all use that advice and to say to ourselves at various points, just get over yourself and do it. It'll be fine. Yeah. I think it's really <laughs> true for so many aspects of life, but yep. especially in this world and in work. As you look at how opportunities have changed and grown for women in sports, how have you seen them improve and, and what can we still do to make it better? Yeah, I think, um, you know, representation is so crucial for women um, because I think, you know, a lot of my aspirations were driven by what I saw mm-hmm. and what I saw was sideline reporting and I hated sideline reporting. <laughs> <laughs> I did it and I hated it. And I was like, I don't want to do this. So let's move on to the next. Um, no knock on sideline reporting just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, now more than ever before there are women doing a lot of things right coaching uh ceo uh podcasting video running a business running uh, running a team running uh, running anything running a corporation there's women in a lot of these spots but we're we need to be better about celebrating them amplifying them seeing them talking about them and i think you're starting to see that uh but as I said earlier, you know, it takes thick skin, man, mm-hmm. to be in this industry. And and it's hard because you, you know, I think a lot of people are deterred from putting themselves out there because they just don't want to deal with it. And I understand that. I get that. I understand wanting to stay behind the scenes. But I'm hopeful that as we continue to empower more women and people see that and young women see that that this cycle, there'll be less of those loud people and there'll be more opportunities and jobs and places for women. And there are more now than there were five years ago, 10 years ago. And I think, you know, as we continue to kind of push in this direction, 
though will be more down the road. And, and I think that's obviously an exciting thing to think about, an exciting proposition to think about um, as a woman uh, in, in sports. I could not agree more. Um, before we get to five fun facts, can you take us through a day in the life of Paige Demacos? Oh, yeah. A day in the life, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a fun. I, I saw this one and I laughed because I always think about this and I'm like, what do you say? Because I know some people have what I would say routine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will tell you, I will tell you my routine. So things that happen every day, I work out every day, I read the draftnetworks.com every day, I talk to my team every day. And everything else that happens past that point is a mixed bag mm-hmm. of pitching and podcasting and videoing and interviews. And I would say, um, you know, I'm su- part mom, part therapist, right? Because mm-hmm. that's just part, comes with the territory for uh, being being uh, a business leader. You know, you got to talk through things. Everybody wants your opinion, your advice, your this. And I'd say as that happens, that's why it's crucial to have boundaries. Um, it's important in all aspects of your life. Uh, if uh, Shout out to every therapist I've ever talked to that told me I was terrible at that. Mm-hmm. And they're right. Um, and trying to get better at that uh, the older I get. So it's a, bi- a big part of that. Um, but every day is different. I like that. I like the change. I like the challenge. I like preparing. I like putting a pitch together. I like doing the creative stuff. You know, some days I'm putting a financial report together. Some days I'm pitching with my team to talk to Toyota about doing a sponsorship. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's a little it's a little bit different every day, but the consistency matters. And I think you know things that have always been, you know, helpful for me, especially as of recently, is is doing something that's good for your health, um, good for your brain, good for your overall well being, good for your mentality, and, and then. Uh, you know, just working out, making sure you have some level of consistency, always checking in. Um, I'm always listening to at least one podcast every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely reading every day. Those are the consistent things that are happening. Um, Everything past that is is a mixed bag. But it's all it's all related to the draft network and and our growth and and how we do that. And some days are are a little bit more challenging than others, um, as is usual for, for pretty much everybody. But trying to enjoy the process, uh, as Bill Belichick would tell me. Excellent. You would be proud. <laughs> on to your next meeting. <laughs> on, to, on to Toyota. On like, to yep, Toyota. Let's go, yes, Bill. Let's, let's do this. Or on to Subway. Those commercials really creep me out, by the way. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> like, okay, I'll go get a sandwich. Please stop staring at me. Um, oh, gosh, that's so funny. Um, this has been amazing. I mean, it, it really has. This has been just a fantastic conversation. And I've learned so much. I wish you could see my page of notes. It is filled. Um, I always print out the pre-interview questionnaire and then I make notes, but this one is like filled to the brim of notes. Uh, So I thank you very much for everything you've shared with us today. But of course, I can't let you go yet because we have to do five fun facts. And I say this pretty much every week, but in case our guests don't know, this is something I started doing with the 49ers players. And I usually do it on my iPhone or this past season on Zoom. And they get the opportunity to kind of share five things about themselves that people wouldn't otherwise know. But on this podcast, I ask everybody the same five questions every week. And it's great because some of the some of the answers are similar. Most of them are very different. And we get to learn even more about our guests. So without further ado, five fun facts with Paige Demacos. 
All right, Paige, what is your favorite moment in sports? Favorite moment in sports is Paige's eight years old and Michael Jordan wins his sixth NBA championship and is jumping up in the air, fist pumping and throws up a six. That's like my first real strong sports memory. And ooh, it's a good one. It's a good one. It's a very good one. It's kind of got the chills. It's a, it's a really good one. <laughs> I can like see it in my head and it's, yeah, it is a great one. Yeah. Uh, well, sure. you kind of shared this earlier. You did share it earlier, but I'll ask you again. What is your life motto? Ah, uh, yeah, bet on yourself. Uh, that is that is a, a good motto to take on in everything that you do. Um, it's just just print it out. Put bet on yourself. Put it in front of you. Look at it every day, and I think it'll it'll help you. Um, and a secondary one, gratitude changes everything. Use those two things. I think you're going to be in a real good spot. Your go-to workout. My go-to workout is uh, lifting. So I work out with a trainer out here. His name's Don. He's amazing. I used to be a cardio junkie, and he changed my whole life by making me do band work and working out, and nothing makes me feel better than being able to go into the gym and talk some smack to uh, <laughs> football players, current uh, even NFL draft guys, and go in there and get you know my long, lanky butt in there and uh, try and try and lift some heavy weights. So I've uh, that's definitely my go-to workout. Go to coffee order. Ooh, I'm an almond milk latte type of person. Uh, more often than not, ice because I live in Scottsdale. But you know, the two to three months of the year where I drink it hot, um, we're still in that we're still in that window. But fast approaching the uh, iced coffee scenario that will happen for the most of the rest of the year. And a book every woman should read. Ooh, that's a great one. Man, there is so many books that I would tell everybody to read. Um, I'm a big Simon Sinek person, so I would tell everybody to read The Infinite Game. Great one. And Dare to Lead is one I'm reading right now, and I would also suggest that book. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on today, Paige. Thank you for having me. I, I really enjoyed it. It was fun to, to chat with you. And, you know, anybody that wants to, I'm always uh, always available. Try and find me on Instagram or, or Twitter. I'm always trying to help um, any women that want to work in the industry. So feel free to reach out. What are your handles so they know where to find you? Yeah, everybody can find me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. So same handle, both places, the sports page. Uh, you can find me there. And we will tag you in everything so you guys will be able to find her that way as well. And if you guys like what you heard, which I know with 100% confidence you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. I'll talk to everybody next week. Bye, all Sports opinions with a side of satire. We're the First and Tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First and Tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue. We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we, we think, think we're, we're funny, funny AF. First and Tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstintenspodcast.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.